Welcome back to our living room and to the Life of Garrity podcast. This week, we're answering your questions about business school. So when this comes out, we will be driving to Rhode Island for Correct. a trip with yeah. your family. Laurel 60th. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, Ryan's Hard mama to turned believe. 60. Yeah. It's going to be a huge bash. For and the record, if she's listening, she still looks like she's 30. So yeah, let's go. Yeah. Let's freaking go. It's going to be a great, a great trip. Trips with the Garrity's are a ton of fun. Yeah. We like to have fun. That's yeah, you for guys sure. like to party. KG's like the uh, KG's my fond nickname for my pops. KG's like the literally the chair of the party planning committee. Yeah, in wherever real we life. Go, yeah, whatever wherever we go, he's always got it. He's like, we do this cool thing, that cool thing. He's like, I'm thinking we should get some jet skis, and I'm thinking <laughs> we. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing he does these days could surprise me. It's great. Okay. So we are not going to do cups today because there's a lot of questions to get through. People yeah. are really curious about business school. Well, that's good. Uh, hopefully, something I say, somebody will take away from it uh, with a little bit more clarity because I was the same way back in the day. I mean, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Obviously, I'm doing it now, but I had the same sort of kind of questions, I'm sure. I have not seen the questions ahead of time. So what you get is going to be stream of consciousness. Yeah, this will be a surprise. But it was the same sort of idea that like, always wanted to do it, wasn't really sure where to start, how to ask the questions. And uh, and yeah, I think that the biggest thing that pushed me over the edge was uh, I saw my brother get his MSW from NYU, went to his graduation, and I was like, this is so cool, man. Like, I'm going to ask some questions. And finally, that was a catalyst for me to actually start asking the questions. And lo and behold, it was not as scary or complicated as you may think right but i'll turn it over to the host so she can interview me <laughs> well to start the first time you brought up potentially getting an mba which is a master's in business administration administration yeah. it's the fancy way of saying it the first time you brought it up was when we were living in Weehawken, and I didn't respond very well. I don't recall that. I still feel sad about it. Maybe I have like uh, <laughs> thick skin for peeps that are trying to downplay my dreams. You are persistent. I don't know. I, I don't recall that, that interaction. It's a different time, though. It was a very different time. We were not married yet. We had just moved to New Jersey. And Ryan is like, I'm thinking about getting my MBA. And what I heard was, I'm going to quit my job and spend the entirety of my 20s in grad school, accruing lots of student loan debt, and you're going to have to pay all the bills. That's what I heard <laughs> from you saying, I think I want to get my MBA. And, you know, marriage lesson that is not in fact what he said what he said was i want to get an mba so we'll fast forward we'll yeah. tell you 
the next But perhaps books. I wasn't clear about it because the knee-jerk reaction at that time, being younger in my career, is to actually take a year or two off to go do it full-time. I think it's what a lot of folks in their mid-20s do. So in fairness, the executive MBA option, which I'm doing now, which I'll talk more about. It's one of the questions. Totally different option. So Yeah. Okay. Let's start off with the questions. Okay. All right. You got all these questions off the instant machine? I did. Our followers are curious. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. First, where are you going? I forgot. Cornell. <laughs> Ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> so many people responded to that joke on the instant machine everybody loved the office reference absolutely absolutely it was great did you know i'm thinking about joining an acapella group called here comes treble <laughs> you would <laughs> uh to digress very briefly on that i just finished a course in uh, managerial statistics who's professor big cornell guy and he would literally send me send us the cohort emails with very popular acapella songs by some of the Cornell acapella groups on a Sunday night. He would just send a random BCC email to everybody. And it was like, here comes Davey. It was like a famous song done acapella. And I was like, this is literally Andy's life playing out in real time. Yeah. Those guys exist. Great professor. I just thought it was hilarious. So it exists. It's real. It's a thing. It's real. Okay, so question number one. What is the difference between an MBA and an EMBA, also known as an EMBA? Sure. So E stands for executive. We'll just up front. And I think what a lot of people um, think about when they think of the idea of an MBA degree is full-time. Right. Traditionally, full time MBAs are just like it sounds. You're in grad school. You go full time. You're not work. Maybe you work part time, but you're not working full time. You're in school full time. And those programs typically two years long. Um, they now have there's a lot more products out there, so to speak. A lot of universities trying to appeal to some of the younger crowd. And what they're doing is they're doing accelerated one year MBA programs, which is full time. They're doing the traditional two-year MBA programs, and they're doing some hybrids here and there. Um, but that's really what a traditional MBA degree is. I would say for folks that are going to look to get their MBA, usually you do your undergrad, and then maybe you spend one, two, three years working in the corporate world, um, and then you go go full-time for your MBA. It's usually the, the class is about early 20s, maybe mid-20s. Uh, but everybody's kind of about the same sort of age, same sort of experience in terms of work, work experience. The executive MBA is a, is a broader stroke. They offer it to, as it indicates, executives. So basically, you're wor you work full-time at your, at your current job, and you go to school on a, um, on a different, different schedule. So a lot of the big, big programs out here, there's a couple Ivy Leagues um, that offer programs. The schedules all differ, but it's usually the weekends or maybe one weeknight. So there's a couple out there that are Friday, Saturdays. There's a couple out there that are just Saturday. There's, a, there's my program in particular, which is Saturday and half of Sunday. So you go every other weekend. And so you still work full time. And the, the appeal of EMBA or EMBA is definitely one. You continue to work in, your, in, your corporate, in the corporate world. 
and you get to apply some of the skill sets you learn right away in the real world. The programs are typically, this is number two, structured so that it's a team-based atmosphere. They really want you to work in a team, understand how to work in a team, how to build a high-performing team. And that makes a lot of sense because in the corporate world, you spend a lot of time working with people and coworkers. The emphasis on your network, diversifying your network. Um, and all these things kind of culminate into this, this ability to uh, share this experience with these 70 folks that are in my cohort, 75 or so. And also use the platform to network. So like there's so many different diverse backgrounds, corporate wise. Everything from startups to small private equity venture capital firms to big Fortune 500s, consumer technology, uh, financial services. And there's this idea that you can kind of cross-pollinate in the cohort and diversify your network even further and end up, a lot of folks end up working together on, whether it's together on projects in the corporate world or even starting businesses together. So that's kind of the difference. And the last piece to the EMBA is it's usually attracts an older crowd. They typically, most of the good programs want to see you at least in the work world for at least seven, maybe eight years. Um, and from there, it can go up pretty high. I mean, I, I have some folks in my cohort that are kind of like, wish I, wish I could have done it earlier, but here's my shot. And they've been in the corporate world 25, 30 years, older folks, and they're great. I think, I think they bring a completely different view to to what we do. But the average age, I think, is like 30, 33, 34. Okay. okay. This is a longer question. So talk about the decision to get your MBA from like start to finish. Because I think the yeah. reason why this question came up is there's a lot of people who have asked this in different ways. People always say to me, when I tell people that you're getting your MBA, people say, oh, I've always thought about doing that. Yeah. And some people have gone as far as to tell me that they've looked into certain schools mm -hmm. and, you know, but that it just never panned out. The timing wasn't right. So give us the timeline. Um, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've been thinking about um, pursuing some sort of higher education uh, for a long time. And it was always kind of like finance focused, you know, uh, I thought that like um, I wanted to kind of have that experience to set myself up to open more doors, potentially work up to a senior leadership role at the firm that I'm at or, or any other firm that I went to. So I've been thinking about it a long time. And, you know, I would say that the timing is never going to be right when you think about it. I mean, it's really a big decision um, because there, there's a huge commitment there in terms of time and money. So there's an opportunity cost, right? It's not just the money. There's a huge time commitment and everything that goes in between. And I think that over the years, it kind of just kept, you know, pecking away at me. And as I kind of worked up a little bit in my firm and got more experience and did start working on some different stuff, I started to think that there are areas that I do fall short in. Uh, managing being one of them for sure. Um, I'm a hands-on guy. And so it's tough for me to take the time to walk somebody through something. I'd rather just do it myself. And then some other skill sets that, uh, you know, I kind of fall short in. And the idea of the MBA as opposed to other sort of um, certifications, designations like CFAs and things like that is, is, is to have a very comprehensive skill set and a network that goes with it. So I wanted to not only uh, polish up some of the things that I think that I'm good at, but also work on some of the things that I have no idea. And to see that from a lot of different perspectives, 
So the people on my working team, there's seven people in total. I've got two other financial services, but I got folks from all over, from big pharma to um, transportation to the public sector, project management, entrepreneurship. I mean, there's so many different things. So like you're presented with this problem. If you spend your time around like-minded folks, how are you to uh, get that diversity of opinion, right? And, and so that was one of the big things. And so finally, when I went to Cassandra Brother Graduate, which I was so proud of him, um, you know, I was like, you know what? Let me start asking the questions. And we were in a position in a better place just in terms of like kind of where we're at in our careers and, and the, free, the freedom to kind of explore that. And um, that's the road I started to go down, you know? And, and my why has always kind of been, you know, I really want to use it as a, as a, as a catalyst to kind of propel myself closer to this ideal, this kind of lifelong goal I have, which I think we share in life of Garrity is to kind of help build a better society and how to do that. You know, one, one thing at a time and to maximize my effectiveness to do that. I really felt like I needed to needed a, a whole new series of, of skill sets and experience to think outside the box. Right. And, um, that's really been my why. And so it was, then it was just about exploring the programs. If it was actually doable, what would be required and, and which one would be the best fit. That was a great answer. Thanks. Okay. Next question. How was the GMAT prep? Yeah. So whoever's listening to this is gonna hate me or love me for what I'm about to say. So <laughs> If you want to go to grad school, the first step is typically GMAT, right? And it's basically like a really aggressive, like adult version of an SAT, but it tests qualitative, quantitative skills. And, you know, good business schools use it to kind of rank the individual people that are applying and see, you know, and uh, so the thing is for undergrad, uh, I'm sorry, not undergrad, um, for full-time programs, you have very little work experience. So it's hard to benchmark you and your accomplishments to your, to your peers. So they actually rely more heavily on some of those standardized tests in the executive world. Um, the GMAT is not a thing. So yes, there are, are still schools that require GMAT scores or what's even better. And this is, this is the part you hate me for. The program that I applied to did not require standardized test, which yes, is a lower barrier to entry, but two was definitely the way I viewed the philosophy and behind that concept of standardized tests and how archaic I really think it is and how absurd it is. And Cornell was really awesome because the way they looked at it was, you know, you're here for an executive MBA. Most of our folks have been in the workforce at least at least seven, eight years. I've been in the workforce 10 years. We care more about what you've accomplished in 10 years in the world than we do about what a stupid test has to say about you, right? And obviously the application process is a little bit more comprehensive. But for those business schools that do require standardized tests, this is the part you'll love. If you're considering an EMBA, there is a test out there called the executive assessment. And basically, it's a much shorter version. It's an hour long, and it was created by the GMAT folks in response to people wanting to pursue an EMBA education, 
who did not have the, the wherewithal to commit the months it would take to prep for a GMAT. So the idea here is you can take four weeks, prep for an executive assessment. It's an hour long test. And then that test is actually focused more on the skill sets you would have learned in the real corporate world than on any uh, conceptual uh, uh, material that you might have digested as an undergrad. So that's the big difference, right? Uh, the full-time MBAs, you know, they think you think about their course loads, all their case studies are done typically in the classroom and very little experience to apply to these cases. It's all conceptual. And so in the executive world, like we've, we've gone through our cases and I've been on working teams and I've had people be like, oh, this happened to me. This is how it played out. This happened to me. This is how it played out. And that experience is totally different. So that's why they created the executive assessment. So the executive assessment is a great alternative to the GMAT, especially if you don't have the, the two or three months it'll take to, to prep for something like that. There are so many options. How did you decide where to go? Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of like any undergrad experience where you kind of figure you have a couple in mind, maybe do some homework on and you go, you got to go visit them and understand what the experience they're selling is, you know, and for, for Emba, it was pretty easy to narrow it down. There was basically, there's like six programs in the tri-state and then maybe 10, if you expand that out to Connecticut and, uh, in Philadelphia. And if you're gonna do it, you want to go for one of like one of the top 10 schools or an Ivy League school because it's, it's a huge investment financially, time commitment. And we started looking at them and the, and the four here in the city were, we looked at NYU, Columbia, Cornell, and, even, and Fordham. And I looked at Fordham first because I wanted to get a feel for their program and compare them to the, the other programs. Fordham is a top 50 school, you know, and I almost went, went there undergrad. And so I was like, let me just try it out because it's New York City. That's the big thing. So we went to visit Fordham and I got a feel for the program, you know, and it was kind of the beginning stages. So it was kind of like, well, obviously I'm going to look around. Went to go see Columbia. Columbia was kind of, um, it's a big program, big school, big business school. So you kind of felt like, you know, you were a little fish in a big sea. And then um, I was going to look at NYU, but then I went to go see Cornell. They, they've had this program in Palisades for a while. Then they just moved it down to Roosevelt Island. They built a brand new campus. And when I went to visit them, they were super homey, welcoming, and I got such a good feel for that program. And I really wanted to be able to do it locally. I didn't want to, I know a lot of folks, if you're thinking Emba, if you expand a little bit, you can hit Connecticut. There's another Ivy, there's Yale. You can hit Philly where you've got uh, the Wharton School. Um, but, you know, I really want to stay around here uh, if I was going to do that, that commute into the city. And we just got such a good feel from those folks. I mean, they took the time, they spent personal one-on-one -on -one time with me. I went to go see a class and sat with some folks in the, in the cohort when I was there. And it was just, just such an awesome feel. Right. And, um, you know, the big thing for me was in, in all honesty, like I figured that I would probably apply to maybe apply to like an NYU, um, you know, when I made the decision to apply to Cornell, I was kind of like, okay, I need to put together a pretty good admissions package here. But, 
you know, it's, uh, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to get in there. Um, it's hard to believe, you know, like nobody in my family has been to an Ivy League school. And so, you know, you have that imposter syndrome where you think like, you know, I'm going to give it the old college try, but if they say no, then okay, then that's my self-fulfilled prophecy right there. I expected I wasn't good enough and that's what happened. And I guess that didn't turn out to be the case because <laughs> here I am. Um, so I'm glad you elaborated on that because sometimes I get the response from people that are like, Oh, so he's a super smart guy. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, but it wasn't easy. Like, Oh, I have a shoe in. Okay. Like, I think it's important to talk about how hard it is to get in there and like how hard you had to work yeah. on your. So, I mean, the one thing I would say just dovetailing what I just talked about, like my family and undergrad, like we have, we've been to some, our family is some fantastic educations. My brothers are all smarter than I am. You know, my parents are <laughs> super smart, you know, and um, you know, and some great schools on the list, you know, and great experiences. Um, you know, I don't think anybody had really thought about it. You know, and I think that, you know, just to just to apply here um, took a lot of work just to apply, just to put a package together. You got to get recommendations. You got to answer a bunch of their essays, things like that. Um, and you worked on it for months, worked on it for a long time. Yeah, I worked on it for a long time. Then I had some somebody, a couple of people in my network really close to me um, review it and give me some honest feedback and redline a bunch of stuff and then rewrite it, all my admissions essays, you know, I had to go get all the transcripts together, and then they invite you in for an interview. Uh, basically, you do a pre-assessment where you send them, oh yeah, the biggest thing, they you send them a resume based, based upon your experience, and they review it and reach out to you and say, hey, we strongly encourage that you apply or not, I don't know. They never told me no, they just said, yeah, we strongly encourage you should apply. And then you do your interview, and it's a, it's a whole thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of work. You got to get support from your people at work, which is a big thing that I highly suggest, especially because the time commitment, yeah, you can do it all after hours, but you want to be able to have a little bit of flexibility there. You know, work, my work's been super supportive. I think that they see that one of my coworkers considered an Ember um, a little bit further on in his career, but big thing for him is that, the big thing was the network. He kind of already has a pretty big network, but he understood like how important it was. Our CEO has done it in Emba. His wife's done in Emba. They understand the importance of it and, and the experience that I could bring right away. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of work. So don't let that deter you, um, but don't take it lightly. There is, there is a high bar to entry. Mm-hmm. And you were really strategic about it where you spent a few months putting together your package and then that way you could submit it as soon as the applications opened. Yeah. I think I just got lucky with that. Like uh, we started asking these questions in June, July and uh, they actually encouraged me to apply for the uh, class 21 and I just was not in the headspace to get an application together in a week and a half. And so... I had a lot of time, a lot of lead in. Um, so for the folks that don't, 
it's tough. You got to turn it around quick, but I did have a lot of time, a lot of leading. So I spent a lot of time on it. And I think it's important that when you're writing like essays and things, you need to come, you need to take a break and come back at it with fresh eyes. You need somebody else to check it, proofread it, make sure, you know, what you're trying to say actually makes sense. I forgot about that, that that was the timeline. So we toured a couple of campuses, a few campuses, summer of 2019, and then you applied fall of 2019, and then you found out you got in in February of 2020. Yeah. And then started fall of 2020. So it's it's a long commitment. And I want to add that how this conversation started and making this a reality was we used to do an intention practice in the mornings and send it to each other. And one day you slid in this Emba item and I was a little gruffly about it. And I was like, what's this? And you said, I, I really want to get my MBA. And I said, okay, well then do some research and come back to me with some information. Like give me the cold hard facts. What does it cost? What is the commitment? When does it start? What do you know? Like I wanted to know all of the facts and you did exactly that. You went out, you did a ton of research on, you looked up like a bunch of different schools and, and what their schedules were. And I think another thing that you really liked about the Cornell program was the schedule. Yeah. Right. Cause some the of them, schedule. yeah, some of them were like only Saturday, but it was every single Saturday. And yeah, it's like, Columbia had that program and I was like, no, thanks. <laughs> right. Wasn't that Columbia? Yeah. That's yeah. just, that's too much. Yeah. I was, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm good on that. Yeah. And then NYU was just Friday, Saturday. And I was kind of like, can't be taking Fridays off. I don't know. They require you to get a time sponsorship from your, your work. And I was kind of like, I don't want to ask my work for every other Friday off for the next two years. Yeah. It's like Saturday, Sunday is good for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of already answered this, but how long is the program? Oh yeah. It's two years. So it's 24 months. And what is the schedule like, like throughout the year? What's your um, semesters look like? Yeah. It's pretty aggressive actually. <laughs> At the beginning of every semester, you do a week long, week long. It's like eight days of, it's called residential. You're supposed to go up to campus and literally for like 15 hours a day, you're just, you're doing classes or you do seminars or you're doing team meetings or you're doing so many things. And then it rolls into a normal every other Saturday, Sunday for what you'd expect a normal semester to be like, you know, so September, October, November, December. I'll end December 19th. The way the structure of the classes is that you typically have five class weekends, five weeks per class. So in the residential, we took a couple of like seminar style courses, leadership and high performing teams, uh, critical thinking. And then we started with a couple of the, the two core courses you take for five weeks. So if you think about a semester being 12 to 14 weeks, um, the beginning week, week and a half is kind of like that thrust into the whole thing. Then you roll into your normal schedule. And after about six weeks, the two courses, your main courses wrap up and then you roll right into two more courses for five weeks. So I just finished two courses and now I'm starting two more courses. 
econ and accounting and that'll go through december of 19 and then they'll start the whole thing over again for january i'll get like a three four week break january to about june no i'm sorry end of may maybe a month off and then july is right back into residential and then it just you think about it like four big semesters yeah so that's the schedule um there's a lot of time that goes into doing the work around those classes. There's a yeah. lot of team projects. There's a lot of independent study stuff. There's a lot of resources that the school and uh, program offer. Tons of seminars, tons of special events, guest speakers, um, happy hours, uh, networking events. We did a murder mystery night to get to know more people, which was cool. You know, so there's there's so many things going on. It's almost overwhelming. I would say it is very overwhelming. And we have, like, we're still trying to figure this out, figure out, navigate this this schedule. And, you know, I think we've done a great job. We are over communicators when it comes to our schedule and keeping a pulse on each other and, and you know, how, how each of us is doing and, and what our overwhelm level is for the day mm -hmm. but yeah it's we're, we're it's still a work in progress yeah one of the do you remember when we went to the uh seminar at columbia and there were the speakers and somebody asked how do you balance life and work and the emba program and he laughed and he said you don't yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm pretty much stretched to the to the brim at this point. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's anything else you could add to your plate. But I also think about how you had to put in so much extra effort for me over the last couple of years dealing with chronic disease. And like now this is my chance to give back to you and to do more of the heavy lifting at home. liked this podcast, please rate and review. And if you screenshot it and email it to us with your mailing address, we will send you a fun gift from one of our favorite companies for Sigmatic. All of this information is in the show notes. See you next week.